Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke, and today's guest is Kathy Zablotsky. She is an animal communicator, tarot card reader, Reiki master, and author of two children's books. Today we'll be talking about animals who have passed over, what they've taught Kathy about life on the other side, and the connection that they still have with their families here. Kathy, welcome to the program. It's good of you to have me. Thank you. So you are an animal communicator, a tarot card reader, and a Reiki master. Which one of those disciplines actually came first? Tarot cards. Really? Okay. Can you tell us how that happened and how that led to your interest in Reiki and eventually becoming an animal communicator? When I was about 19, I had my cards read for the first time. And, and the only time for many, many years. And I was fascinated by it and wanted to learn. But I didn't want to learn from books. I actually waited many years before someone came along and taught me in 2000. And she actually told me not to read any books, that she would teach me without the books. And I started reading cards for friends and family once I became familiar with them and then graduated to reading cards at psychic fairs and other events. Okay. So with the tarot, isn't it true that one has to have some kind of psychic ability in order to do effective readings? Is that true? I think we all have some level of psychic ability, whether we're aware of it or not. And one thing I love about cards is they will do everything they can to bring you a message. And I tend to view reading the cards very much as reading a story that's presented to you. And I actually teach people intuitive tarot to read the cards without any knowledge of what they mean. And I find that that brings forth your intuition and your psychic ability if you do it that way. But I think we can all read cards, like I think we can all speak to the dead, we can all communicate with animals, but most of us will never want to, plan to, or even think about doing it. So teaching people how to read the tarot intuitively, they don't have to know the meaning of every single card, which will actually tap in to their psychic ability even more? Yes, because what I believe is that in any given moment when a card is drawn, what that card means depends on many things and what it presents to you as a reader. It's involved in the energy of the reader, the abilities of the reader, the energy of the person you're reading for, what's going on in their lives at that precise moment in time. And so you can pick up a card and, for example, notice a cup in the card with a particular thing in the cup. And if that's the first thing you see, that's the message the card is bringing you is about that cup. But the same card might have a moon in the background. And when you draw the card, you're drawn to the moon. And it's because for that reading, at that moment, for that person and that reader, the moon is the important thing in that card. I actually think people are limited when they read the books. So you would suggest that they do not read books and they get a teacher that, like you had, that said, do not read the books because that will probably not be a good influence. Is that correct? I think a lot of people find the books very useful at the beginning, that they want to know the meaning of the card. And for some people, that's a better grounding. 
The people I teach intuitive tarot card reading to are usually people who've struggled with that method or people who've been reading cards for a long time and want to allow themselves to be more open to interpreting the cards. The average person that doesn't have any experience with the cards, it does seem very esoteric and a bit complicated, but one of my uh, guest speakers a while back described the tarot as a book of ancient knowledge, of ancient wisdom, rather, hidden in plain sight. Is that accurate? I think that can be accurate, but I also think the cards are very, very flexible, and they can be very direct and in the moment of just here is what's happening now, here's what has to happen, here's what needs to change. But I also agree with that description because the cards are an incredibly flexible tool and can be used in many ways. So part of what you'll get in a reading depends on what the reader wants to look for in the cards as well. And that's why I say it involves the energy of the reader, the person being read, and whatever's going on in the moment. That same speaker told me that one of the reasons he brought up a description of ancient wisdom, a book of ancient wisdom hidden in plain sight was because some maniacal dictator could not order the books burned because there were no books. It's a deck of cards, which I thought was actually pretty interesting, to say the least. At what point did the work with the Reiki come in and how did that play a role in you eventually becoming an animal communicator? The Reiki came in probably about five years after I started, after I first learned tarot. And it was a, a sequence of events. I decided I wanted to become a homeopath and I started college. And I was at the college and everybody was talking about Reiki. And it turned out the previous year, the first year students had had a teacher who was also a Reiki master. And she had taught Reiki to pretty much everybody there. And so they were all practicing Reiki. And I'd never heard of it before. I then found out that my vet was a Reiki practitioner, that he didn't talk about it very much because people would think he was crazy. You know, your average pet owner, he thought. And this was a while ago, so he was probably right. And then a few weeks after that, I told my mother about this and I was visiting her and she said, you won't believe this. And she opened her local newspaper and there was a centre page spread about a lady who was a Reiki master teacher who lived in the local area and it had her contact details. So we got in touch with her and we both went along and did Reiki one with her. So it's like the universe was presenting Reiki to me. You must follow this up. I'm going to keep throwing this at you till you do something about it. And I think the universe does do that to us. I think it does too. At least that's what I've been told. And speaking of Reiki... And energy healing, it seems to be a portal or an entry point for many people that eventually find themselves on an intuitive path. Would you agree with that or not necessarily? Absolutely agree. When you learn Reiki, it opens something up in you. There's no doubt about it. And what it opens and to what level depends on the individual, but it definitely changes you and makes you, I think, more receptive to things that you probably weren't before, particularly anything connected with energy. And after all, we are energy, our souls are energy, everything's energy. So it does open the door to other connections, I believe. It does seem to do that because it comes up quite a bit, uh, a lot more <laughs> yes. than I thought it would. So you're an animal communicator. You don't seem to really do this kind of work with humans, but 
Why focus on pets instead of humans? I just feel that's my soul's purpose. That's why I came to this planet at this time, reincarnated this time, was to do this work. I utterly, completely believe that. Whenever someone brings up reincarnation, it brings up discussions about past lives and sometimes even the life in between life space. So have you experienced any of that in your work or have you ever had past life regressions or is it just a download? I've had a past life regression, which was very interesting because what I was told, I had previously been told by a psychic about a past life. I was told the exact same thing by someone entirely different in a different place who didn't know what I'd been told previously. But animals have talked about this so much. I communicate with animals who are living as well as the ones who've passed over. And it's not uncommon for my clients to ask their animal have you been with me in a previous life? And very often the answer is yes, they have. Now, when you communicate with the animals, is it a verbal thing? Is it in English? Or again, how does that happen? It's nonverbal. I do liken it very much to mediumship. Really, every medium is an animal communicator or could be. And every animal communicator could do mediumship. We can all communicate with our guides. You know, it's the same process. It's what we're drawn to do and what we feel comfortable with. I know mediums who don't feel comfortable communicating with animals. They always feel like it's not really their thing to do. And I feel very much that way about mediumship. I don't feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. But they are very, very similar. So it's a telepathic communication. What I pick up and what most animal communicators pick up is words traveling through our mind like our own thoughts which can be very difficult when you first start doing this because you spend all your time thinking, well, that was me. And it takes time for you to learn that it's not you, it's the animals. Sometimes I hear voices of the animals. More often I hear a mixture of the two. For a long time I didn't hear voices, but then I started to. They send images as well. So I'll get an image in my mind of something which can be used to back up something they're saying or very often I get images as a verification. When I tell the family member who I'm doing the reading for about an image, they'll go, oh my God, I know it's them now, because the image is something very important and personal to them. And then they can also give you feelings. They can engage all your senses, taste and touch and smell, or they can just give you feelings like you might just feel that an animal is not being direct with you because maybe they're worried about what their family might think about what they're going to say, that kind of thing. They don't like to upset us. <laughs> so is there anything that you've learned from the animals that have passed over that you might not have learned from a human? don't know because I don't make a habit of communicating with humans on the other side. Certainly the animals have shown me that there is such a thing as the rainbow bridge. I've been connected with animals as they've passed and so they've let me be a part of that experience which has been amazing to be allowed to be part of that. So they've shown me what happens at the point when they leave their bodies and where they go They describe what it's like over there, that kind of thing. But I'm quite sure that a a medium probably gets similar information, if not the exact same information. So this place that they go to, 
when they pass, when they leave this life, do they co-mingle with the human souls that have passed or is it just a different place altogether? Well, this is interesting. Now, this can be seen as controversial, but I've been given proof by them that all souls are the same. So we can choose to come back as a human or we can choose to come back as an animal. So there is no different place. Really? When I communicate with an animal on the other side, they present themselves to me as the animal that the family member I'm reading for knew. But they don't have to do that because they don't have a physical form anymore. They're not a dog or a cat or a horse or a person. They're just a soul on the other side. But they do present themselves as who they were for the reading. There have been reports of near-death experiences where pets have been seen on the other side as human. Has your work given you any insight into that? Well, I know that we can come back as any species we want because I was given proof during a reading. I have Bernese Mountain Dogs. I've had them for many years. And I had a female Bernese Mountain Dog called Kira. This was about 10 years ago now. And I had a friend in America. She became a friend over time during readings. And she had Bernese Mountain Dogs. And she had a boy called Tanker. And during a reading, Tanker told me that he and Kira had been married as humans in a past life. And we didn't follow this up at the time, but Kira passed away, and then about a year later, Tanker did. And my friend asked for a reading with Tanker, and she started asking him about this life. Now, I can't remember all the details, but Tanker said his name was Ben Johnson, and he worked as a blacksmith, that he lived in a village in the south of England in the mid-1800s. And he gave me two names, Alice and Little Benny. And... I went online and looked this up after the reading and the blacksmiths keep records back to the 1800s and I found him. His eldest son was Benjamin, little Benny. His second youngest daughter was Alice. He lived in a village called Hawksworth in Kent in the south of England and he was working as a blacksmith in the mid-1800s. Everything he said checked out. So I absolutely believe that we can come back as whatever species we want. Okay, so in my next life, if I want to come back as a jaguar, only because they have the strongest bite, I'll be able to do that. Yeah, but we don't normally come back just because something has something. <laughs> we usually come back to learn lessons. We pick the species. And it's interesting in my work because a lot of people try to humanize their pets. And the thing I've learned from them is that if I decide to come back as the horse, it's because I want to experience being a horse with all the instincts of a horse, with all the abilities of a horse, with all the things that a horse is. And to treat me as a human being is not honoring the species I chose to live as in that lifetime. So you mentioned something about reincarnation. How did you learn how pets actually reincarnate? They told me. They've talked about it so often, and it's through people asking questions during readings. I mean, I didn't expect when I started doing this to spend so much of my time communicating with animals who passed over. I assumed it, that might happen, but mostly it would be animals here. But a lot of people want to communicate with their animals who passed, very often to say they're sorry. You know, the whole guilt and regret thing, we're very, very good at that when we lose somebody who's dear to us. And people want to communicate with them and apologize and make sure they're okay. 
And so I discovered that I probably spend 30% of my time communicating with animals who passed over. And the family members will ask them, have you been with me before? How many past lives? Can you describe any of them? And so I've had so many readings where they've described past lives, that they've been maybe a dog as well in a past life and what life the person was living. It's a, a very common thing in my work to be talking about past lives and reincarnation. And the other question that comes up is people will ask their past over pet, are you going to come back? It's surprising how often they come back. It would make sense if, as you're saying, all souls are the same. According to mediums, when they talk about past lives and reincarnation and life between lives, any foray or any experience into any of those realms would have to be very similar to that of animals if, like you say, we could come back as a human or we can come back as an animal or maybe even a non-human, like an extraterrestrial. What kind of things that really come to mind that you've learned from the animals, the ones that are living or the ones that have passed? In terms of that kind of thing, many of them have told me is when we pass over on that side, there is no time. It's a human construct time. We, we created this thing and, and because we have a big beginning and an end, we're sort of obsessed with this timeline thing. And so animals have told me that they can come into any part of the timeline that they want to. And I'm sure this is true for people too. And also, interestingly, they've also said that there are other civilizations out there and they can reincarnate on Earth or they can reincarnate where there are other living beings. It doesn't have to be here. Right, which is pretty much the same with people. And nowadays, I'm hearing a lot more about reincarnating from places other than Earth, put it that way, as uh, far-fetched as that might sound. The other thing I wanted to ask about the communication with the animals, can they actually understand us when, you know how people talk to their pet, their dog, or their cat, and they're thinking, they can't understand me, but my guess would be that they actually can. What are your thoughts? They absolutely can. The problem is they tend to tune us out a lot. An example I usually give of this is if I'm in the kitchen and Teddy comes in, I immediately start, oh, hello, Teddy. Hi, baby. I'm just making some dinner. I won't be very long. I'll do your dinner soon. Blah, 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 blah. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. And they tune us out because we talk all the time. <laughs> so, and if we didn't talk so much, it would be more obvious that they can understand us because we'd see it. But because a lot of the time they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not really listening to us anyway. They're smart, in other words. Interesting. One big takeaway from this is that you should be very careful what things you say in front of your pet because they actually can understand you. Well, they can read us the same as we can read them. So they can read your thoughts as well as your words. And, and I absolutely agree with you on that. I think words are incredibly powerful things. It's like if you're constantly telling a child they're clumsy, they become clumsy. They become clumsier and clumsier because they're constantly being fed this thought that they're clumsy. And I actually, funnily enough, just the other day recommended to somebody that they change the name of their horse that they recently bought because his name's Loki and he nips and he has some really bad habits. And I said to her, you know, names are very powerful things. And if you're naming a horse after the god of mischief, you kind of got to expect that that horse is going to be pretty mischievous. 
So if you want him to calm down, it might be a good idea to think about either asking him what he'd like to be called or picking a different name for him. Let's talk about grief. You believe that people that grieve for their animals when they pass might actually be preventing them from moving on. I've heard this a number of times with people where apparently the medium or some intuitive makes contact with the spirit and the grieving apparently makes it harder for that spirit, that soul to move on. You agree? No, I actually don't agree with that. I don't believe that. I think it's completely untrue. My experience with talking to animals, they've made it very, very clear that if they hang around, it's through their choice. It may be that they're very worried about a family member who's grieving hard, but they're choosing to stay. The grieving isn't holding them. Nobody can hold them here. They can make a choice to stay, but we can't keep them here by grieving. And we need to grieve. It's really important that we allow that process to happen, you know? Well, losing a pet is, is a lot like losing a family member, which I'm sure a lot of people will, will agree because you get attached to them. It's hard. We've all definitely been through that. So anything else that we should know about communicating with animals, whether it's us or through a session with a practitioner like you? Well, one thing I like to encourage my clients to do is communicate with their own animals through visualization. You know, we may not be able to pick up what they're trying to tell us in terms of telepathic communication, but we can certainly do it the other way around. So, for example, if you have a, a dog with separation anxiety, before you leave the house, just visualize you say goodbye, you leave the house, your dog goes and lies down and rests calmly while you're gone. And then you come home and there's a big happy reunion. And very often animals respond incredibly well to visualization. But obviously, if you want to hear what they've got to say, that's where people will come to an animal communicator. So we can ask very specific questions and get answers to those questions. A lot of people use a reading just to pass messages to their animals. And I often say you could have just done that. You don't need an animal communicator to give them information. It's the getting it back that, that you need a communicator for. Do you think that profession, being an animal communicator, will it eventually be as popular as going to a medium, or is it already at that point? I think it is close to being that. It's interesting, in the time I've been doing it, which is nearly 15 years, every now and again I just Google animal communicator to see who comes up, and the numbers are climbing exponentially for people doing animal communication but a lot of people like me will teach animal communication and I a lot of us don't charge a lot for that because we'd like to see more people communicating with our own animals and we'd like to facilitate that and a lot of people having learned to communicate with their own pets will then go on to working with family and friends pets and then think right you know I'm getting better at this I think I'd really like to do it and they'll become a professional animal communicator. So the numbers are just growing at a rate of knots of the people doing this now. So I think, yes, there aren't as many as there are of mediums, but it's certainly heading in that direction. It is heading in that direction. That's what it sounds like, because I read a book a while back and actually interviewed the author, a book called The Medium Explosion, which, again, brings up the whole issue of psychics everywhere, mediums, and some of them, many of them, are not as developed as we would like them to be. But overall, 
you know, with what you do, do you think that is helping or contributing with raising our vibration, ascension, 3D to 5D and that type of thing? Yes, I do. Because when I teach animal communication, one of the things I explain to people is that when you're doing any kind of work like this, you have to raise your vibration to do the work. And people, unless they're into energy medicine or things like that, aren't aware of this concept. But by people like mediums and psychics and animal communicators teaching people to do the same thing, they're then raising their vibration. And so it's all contributing to everything just going up. The more people raising their vibration, the better. We all know that there are certain factions that are trying to drag us in the opposite direction, but we won't bring that up tonight. But yeah, great stuff, really It's good to know. So, folks, you listeners out there, be careful what you say to your pets because they can understand you. So, Kathy, thanks so much for joining us tonight. How can our listeners find you online? I have a website, which is ispeakwithanimals.com. Not to animals, with animals. Through my website, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and various other things. (laughs) Excellent. I will put that in the show notes and the transcript as well. You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. You can also find more info at closertovenus.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.